and welcome to this episode of Tones and Drones, an ambient podcast. I'm Jason Miller, and this podcast is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVLU. On this episode of the podcast, I am honored to welcome Tom Eaton to the program. Tom's a composer, a producer, a multi-instrumentalist, and an engineer, and um, He's uh, mixed and mastered and recorded so many albums uh, that I've enjoyed. And it's so great to have him on the show to not just talk about the process um, of recording and mixing and mastering and producing, but also his own music. This year, he was nominated for a Grammy along with Will Ackerman and Jeff Oster, who both are on episodes of the podcast, for their album, Brothers, in which he played uh, several different uh, instruments on it. And so... I'll be playing some selections from Brothers and also some of his own music, too. I spoke with Tom via Zoom from his studio, which is very well organized. And actually, after we uh, kind of turned the microphones off, uh, he gave me a, uh, a, a video tour of the uh, downstairs uh, mastering part of his uh, studio. Uh, he was in kind of the performance uh, space upstairs, and it was just fascinating to see uh, his process and uh, how he organizes not only his composition, but also his uh, mixing and mastering and recording. So up next on the program, my conversation with Tom Eaton here on Tones and Drones. Thanks for doing this. I'm so glad to have you on the show. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's uh, you know, um the the uh the rest of your brothers have been on the podcast. And so um, <laughs> it's good to have you on the program. We can cool. talk a little bit about that album and, and and some other some other things I wanted to touch on. Um, you know, um right now, uh right now we're as as the podcast is being recorded. So those of you uh downloading and tuning in and uh the 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 Grammys uh, 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 uh I think have already went down and uh, I'm gonna say congratulations to to y'all for that for being nominated for sure for being nominated yeah, we don't know right we right. don't know it, right. and uh, and and so uh, for the album brothers and um I uh, I I was uh, thinking about some different places to start and and I, ha- I had a question uh, for you about that album so yeah. um when I when I talked to um to to jeff on 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 an episode previously um i was really interested in how you uh uh y'all were communicating musically to be able to have him play and his parts that he were putting together and then will comes in after that and and he was talking about it just how you had some 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 different tonalities that would be kind of you know things that that would be kind of in will ackerman's kind of realm of what he might do and yeah different ways you kind of got you know jeff in the mindset of of pacing and all that and i found it really fascinating and i I just thought we could maybe talk about that first a bit sure yeah i mean we had um we had like two days at my studio to start that record before we took it to will and we wanted to have some really firm foundations for it you know, because we don't want to walk in with nothing. Um, so we did we did six songs in two days. We did kind of the the kind of the skeletons of six songs, and that was um, 
it did it did actually start by me asking Jeff to walk around the parking lot outside okay. the studio. Yeah, and it was because he he's normally a response guy. He's normally like, here's a piece of music. What's your response to it? Play to it. But we were starting from scratch on that record, and so I wanted to start with him. So what I wanted was the tempo he walked at. And then I asked, once we got that, we I asked him to come in the studio and pick a note out of the air and play that note. And then I put him into overdubs and I just had him start to play um, harmonies to the note. And basically that became, um, you know, what I would then interpret as kind of a voicing that Jeff would like. Mm. And so we took that, we took that kind of voicing, whatever, I don't know what it was at the time. Um, but we took that and we started to build songs from that. And then while we were doing that, we're kind of trying to be aware of the way Will falls easily into things. And one of the things that Will falls really in easily into are um, pattern parts, you know, parts that, parts that just kind of rotate or whatever. Um, he, he just kind of gravitates towards, towards those things. And he gets, he gets kind of lost in a zone of that. So we were trying to build those in advance so that he would hear it and go, Oh, I can play, you know, I could play this to that, or I could fall right into that. So if we tried to mm. build those songs, those six that we did in a way that will would hear himself in them hear hear apart for himself in them instantly. Um, so that, that was where, that was where that came from. That was the, the genesis of that. And then we took, we took those things. So I, uh, my stuff there was all uh, roads, electric piano. A lot of it was kind of laying out parts that, that will, um, would play later or Will could respond to later. And then there's some other little sample stuff in there. And then we went to Vermont and we did, we did Will's parts on those six songs. And then Will had two songs that he brought in. And then Jeff played his horn parts on Will's two songs. Okay. And at that point they said, we want you to be the only other player on the record, me to be the only other player on the record. And I said, Oh, okay, well that's, that's a whole other thing. So, um, so at that point I took everything back to my place and that's when all the bass and piano and all the, my textural stuff happened after the fact and trying to basically look at, look at what I had from Jeff, look at what I had from Will, look at kind of the basic foundation, use all the best stuff. And then when I had moments where I could kind of say something in the, in the music, I would, I would try to say something or try and accentuate something that one of the other guys is saying. Yeah, it's like you. I mean, um, I was, it, it, and you mentioned the roads. Uh, uh, yeah. I, I, lo I love that instrument. Um, what are some things textually you like to use that, and how do you feel that that serves the type of music that you that you produce a lot? Uh, the roads just is. It's a beautifully hollow sound. It's um, it doesn't get it. It never gets in the way, but it it's this. It can be this beautiful warm sound or this high bell like sound, depending on how you how you you know, where you're playing it and how you attack it. So for me, it's just, it's a beautiful background instrument sound because it just, you can play it in such a way that it adds all this fullness and Brothers is full of that, but like there's this whole kind of textural thing that the Rhodes is doing almost all the time on that record that is, unless you're kind of put your ear towards it as being the Rhodes, you just, it's just sound, you know, it's not like, hey, look at me. Um, and and it, it gives this nice bed because you know jeff doesn't play chords when he's playing he's playing mono monophonic top lines right so i mean all the, the all the chordal structure of the songs that we did those six songs are all in the roads and then i went back and i replaced some of that with piano and i replaced some of that with other other keyboard stuff but but that roads i just love as a as a sound 
Is it kind of a, um, when I've learned about kind of a, a bit about the mechanics of it, it yeah. seems to me like it's almost this acoustic hot electric hybrid instrument because of the, the striking yeah, mechanism, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's an actual piano hammer um, that's got, I'd have to look. I think it's got a rubber a rubber head on it and it's actually hitting a tuning fork with an electric pickup on it. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it's, it is, a, okay. it's an electromechanical. The thing I'm sitting in front of right now is a CP70, which is, it's, you know, it's similar. It's a, um, it's an actual hammer mechanism. And that's just it acoustically, but it's a hammer mechanism hitting actual strings and all of those strings have pickups on them like they were guitar strings. Wow. So that's, you know, they're another kind of instrument that's a, that's a favorite of mine. Oh, it, the Yamaha, right? The Yamaha. Yeah. I've heard yeah. the CP80 before. Yeah, CP80, CP80, yeah. the 88 key in the 70s. This, the 70 key, slightly shorter. Nice. Yeah. Okay, I've always, I've always liked the way the. Um, there it is. Oh, nice. There One it is. That's there. it. <laughs> that's it. That, that, that's, hey, yeah, you always have to have layers. I mean, the keyboards. I mean, you have to. Yeah. There has to be a stack of them. Right. Um, the. Uh, right. Well, I, I, I love that sound because I've because I Yamaha has used that sound on so many of the, the of their uh, less expensive keyboards, the CP80, and I've always sure. liked that patch. And I had yeah, to look it right. up one day. I need to look at what the CP80 looked like. Okay, awesome, because yeah, yeah. it's a great yeah. sound. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether I, the CP70 might be more common than the CP80. The CP70 was on tour. With tons of people, I mean, you and you hear it still. I mean, you hear it on Tears for Fears records and Peter Gabriel records and stuff like that. It's a very, um, very kind of iconic sound. Peter Gabriel used to put always have chorus on his or, or Phil Collins too. Um, okay. But it's it's a it's a really cool sound. And I play um, because we moved recently. I don't have my acoustic piano set up, so I've been playing the CP70, which I I love just as an acoustic instrument. Even though you know, even though you can you can plug it in, but it makes sound without being amplified. That's awesome. I didn't know that it, completely yeah. without being amplified at all. Yeah, no, wow. it's just, it's literally hammer sitting string. So this is not, it's not plugged in. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's just, wow. it's, it's great. <laughs> and, wow. and I can get up here and play and whatever. So it's nice. I didn't know it was completely, it would completely sound without it. I mean, I've heard roads not plugged up and it doesn't quite have the same impact. No, but still. no, right. The tuning forks don't do much without yeah, they don't. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's that 80s ballad sound that, that totally. came out of yeah. out of the CP7080. Okay, yeah. that's really cool. I, whenever, um, the, the, um, uh, I wanted to ask you, you know, when, if, if people are listening to Brothers and see the instrumentation that you put in there, um, how did it happen that you um, uh, learned so many instruments? Like, like um, you know, was it for parts or for your role as as an engineer, or how, where did that come from? Um, I started playing piano in high school, yeah. um, so in the late '80s, and actually, I started playing piano right at the beginning of high school in '85, and then I gave it up for a few years and came back. Um, but then I started, I just played piano a ton. And then, and then after a while I opened my first studio in the early nineties. And after a while you, you do become the utility guy. And I started picking up the bass and I, I took lessons on bass for a long time. Um, I'm not, you know, I'm a, I'm a okay feel bass player. I'm not like a, I'm not a, you know, chops bass player at all. Um, but feel wise, I, I, I love playing it and it's, um, it, it's a it's a very uh, satisfying sound for me to play. So keys and bass are very um, normal for me to pick up and play. And then some on the on Brothers anyway, I play a little bit of textural electric guitar. Um, I use the Fractal Axe FX guitar box that kind of change kind of changes it from sounding like a guitar. Um, and then I play there's just a little bit of percussion on there, which is just actual actual hand percussion on a 
a djembe or an ashiko or something like that on one of the songs the song, yeah uh, the confluence okay yeah. confluence it's so yeah i could hear that in there and it's like um so okay so yeah so it's just kind of like um you know being able to like you said the utility being able to have you know access to these instruments because they yeah. might be needed and if you you know yeah like and i'm that. a curious guy too so it's like i'm always the guy you know like somebody says um hey it would be cool to have an auto harp part on this i'm gonna go find an auto harp and try and like pull it <laughs> off you know because it's, it's i like that stuff i like yeah. kind of you know having instruments around that are different and and uh trying to you know there's there's a level of um musicality that that that's like um if, if you put an instrument in someone's hands and the, the person has a musical sensibility, you'll probably get something that sounds musical. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even yeah, if you don't I get do. something that, that is, um, that would have been played by a virtuoso on that instrument, you'll get something that works, you know? Yeah. So I think that's been my job is to, you know, in a lot of ways to get, you know, to find a sound and, and make it work. And, and, you know, the, the mixing engineer part, of my job and the mastering engineer part of my job is also is that you're right is like making everything making all the pieces work together yeah okay yeah. I, I i because you answered my question it's like it can serve the song and then oh, yeah. if somebody has some idea about an instrument you want it why not seek it out and see what i can do on it right you know kind right. of brush up on it a little bit to to get get it for a part yeah, right. well, I'm, a, yeah. I'm a pretty good editor so you know i can i can uh, i can hack at something for a while and then edit it into shape so <laughs> yeah, um, sure. i'm not i'm not shy about that if that needs to happen for myself you know but, oh uh, and and with the technology of being able to tune an instrument too if you had to you could tune it if, if yeah. the part's right but the tunings might be a little bit off yeah yeah, yeah that's frightening i i try to avoid that if i can because that's a endless rabbit hole i can't you know auto harp has so many strings you would never want to like oh yeah. Go into something to try and tune that, but oh, exactly. And then uh, years ago, when I went across the chroma harp where it has a lot more chords on it, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, bigger and there's a lot more going on to it. Yeah, yeah. it's it's yeah, the um, well, you had mentioned um, so you mentioned opening up your studio. So when yeah. when you opened your studio up, um, what what were you recording mostly then? What, what mostly was I was doing singer songwriters like the. I was near Boston at the time, and so Boston has always had a really happening folk scene, uh, continues to, and and so a lot of my work before I met Will, so that would have been like from 93 when I opened until about 2009, um, was all, was doing singer-songwriter records and kind of producing and engineering and, you know, doing all kind of soup to nuts, start to finish records with singer-songwriters. And then wow. all that time, I was also writing instrumental, um, electronic music so kind of i had i had one foot in that world as a as a writer but i wasn't putting anything out i was just kind of making records for people okay and and from and from when did uh when did you transition more into doing doing your electronic music too from so from i started that. working with will uh ackerman in 2009 at his place in vermont and then eventually kind of we split we split it so that we track there and then I mix them. And I've, I'm upstairs in my barn now and downstairs in the barn is the mastering room. Um, okay. So up here is like playroom and downstairs is serious listening. Um, okay. <laughs> so I finish all the records that we start in Vermont here. Um, and that, you know, that relationship started in 2009. And, and once I was kind of back in that instrumental music world, it took, it took me a while sitting next to Will to kind of, um, learn um kind of the top of the game of that 
uh, I guess he, you know, he was making all along, he was producing records that were kind of always award winners and whatever. Yeah, and so I just, sure. I got to sit next to him for a long time and really learn kind of the tools that he used to help people make good records and then try to apply that to my own music. And so my first, okay. my first kind of electronic -y piano album called Avendroman came out in 2016. Okay. Now, uh, is, you know, think, thinking about that too, and, and, um, having spoke to him, um, was um was Wyndham Hill music around you? You know, for sure. Uh, growing up, you were listening. Sure. To yeah, and in fact, Wyndham Hill had a whole folk label. So I mean, there was a whole oh private whole music. Private was that it? Is that no? Private, uh, was that called, private music. No, private music was sort of like that different thing. Electronic private music came out of New York, uh, and that was started by one of the guys from Tangerine Dream. Actually, oh, okay. uh, Peter Bauman okay. started private in 1985. Okay, um, wow. So Wyndham Hill was was pretty well before that. Um, but they had a, a singer songwriter label uh, called High Street and Patty Larkin was on that and John Gorka, David Massengill, um, okay. Pierce Pettis. There were a whole bunch, of, whole bunch of great folk singers who were on High Street. Okay, High Street, that's what it was. Cause I remember listening to John Gorka on, yeah. on that when he was on that. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. So so that music was around and so you were, you were, you liked a lot of, of that music yeah. at that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, I was listening to a lot of what I was listening to was instrumental music. So I was, I was and remain a huge Tim Story fan. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know I found Tim through Wyndham Hill and then he went on to Hearts of Space and I kind of followed him. And then, you know, all the Hearts of Space stuff, I just ate up. Um, sure. Just uh, for me, it's just get that, that combination of kind of the, the big atmospheric world of, of, um, of music kind of, it, Wyndham Hill did it in a, in a, in a way where it was like an acoustic starting point you take michael hedges guitar and then you put you know this this huge space around it on aerial boundaries and and that's you know i loved that and then and then hearts of space kind of went further and then you've got this kind of textural synthetic world that's that's also wrapped inside the acoustic thing and i don't know that stuff for me just just blew my mind um the tim story stuff and then as it turned into hearts of space a lot of the hearts of space stuff was just I just loved it. I loved it. And I loved George Winston too. I mean, George Winston, yeah. Michael Hedges and Will, and uh, there was a lot of stuff on Wyndham Hill that, that even, you know, when I was in high school, I, I loved. Yeah. It's uh it's so, so unique and such a great sound. I mean, Absolutely. it was, it, it's just, I don't know, so, so influential to so many people and still around and still yeah. out there. And, and like you mentioned, artists went on to other places and they're still producing music. It's just, oh, it's yeah. just a, it's a great story of music. It's just a great, yeah. it's a great musical story and, and, and kind yeah. of, and kind of journey to it. Yeah. And we wanted brothers to kind of feel like a continuation of that. I mean, the, the cover choice was really overtly Wyndham Hill and, and the vibe of it was, you know, one of those ensemble Wyndham Hill albums, you know, the uh, Scott Kasu and, and uh, Eugene Friesen kind of thing or whatever, you know, it's just you take these people and you put them together and, and you, you combine their voices and you get something new. And that's kind of what what brothers ended up being.
work with Spotted Peccary, I mean, this other label that is becoming uh, and has become, I should say becoming, has become such a great uh, similarity to kind of what Hearts of Space was doing. You know, it's right. ambient music and atmospheric right. things, you know, and yeah. acoustic thing. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great it's a great home for that kind of music for me. So it's it's Spotted Peccary has released some amazing, amazing stuff. Um, so it's, it's great to be, it's great to be on the label and, and, uh, you know, have their audience, you know, discover me as I, as I release new stuff. What is, um, what is, uh, um, when we called this thing tones and drones, it's like, we were trying to kind of break down some of this music to some essentials. What, what does ambient music mean to you? That term and and making music that kind of, uh, fits in that space. So ambient music to me is, is music that is gives you a sense of place um and it's you know it means a million things to every to everybody but for me sure. when i think of ambient music for myself i think of music that i i create to try and generate something that feels like being in the natural world that has a randomness to it that and a consistency to it you know like i, I like to think about it as like if you're if you're walking in the woods there's a consistency to your environment and then there's also a randomness to it, right? There are birds, there's wind, there's, you know, there's stuff that, but there's also a constancy, like your your environment is consistent. So there's, for amb- ambient music for me is much more like the classic Brian Eno definition of it, where it's, it's not exactly wallpaper, but it's music that is more about keeping you company than trying to lead you from one point to another. I was listening to the tracked albums and I went into some of your, your environment albums yeah. um, with the extended pieces. And I really enjoyed those very much. And those are, those are excerpted from other albums or, or are they created as one, you know, extended work? Well, some the- of those are drawn. I did this four album thing called elements uh, that had seven, 10 minute pieces on each of those four albums. And um, there were a couple people who I was talking to at the time. And I said, you know, when I make these things, I, I make an hour of it. 
And a couple of people said, well, put out, put out the hour long version. I'm like, all right, you know, if, if you like hanging out and it's, it's like being in a room, right. Or, or being in the woods or at the beach or whatever, if you like hanging out there that, you know, the, the, that sound bed will, will keep you company for as long as you want to hang out there. It's not necessarily about, um, it's, in fact, it's not at all about, Hey, listen to me. It's, it's more about just kind of putting, putting a color in the room, you know? Yeah, it, it, it's uh, yeah. It, it, what's so cool about that is provi- yeah, providing that amount of time. I mean, how about if somebody is is you know reading or something, you know, and have that whole extended piece to right. to, to take in while they're reading or studying or just whatever right. it is that that yeah. fill, that fills that in, you know. Yeah, for me, that's definitely I. You know, I'll be checking my email and I'll have something on, and even if it's ten minutes long in the morning, it's like it's over before I want it to be over. So, you know, if I, <laughs> if I do those extended things, then you know people have the choice. You know, if they want, if they want to walk away after twenty minutes, walk away. That's fine. Yeah. If you want to use it for a minute, that's fine too. Whatever. But it's not a, you know, the the journey of it is a is not that it's entirely functional. I try to make, I try to make the music interesting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, I also want it to be kind of trance-like and, and kind of allow you to kind of not pay attention to it in a certain sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's, it's just part of your environment, you know, yeah. the same, the same way you don't, you know, you don't necessarily tune into the birds singing outside, but they're there, you know, and they're, they're part of, they're part of the environment that you're in and part of the world that you're in. Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I remember running across those environment uh, LPs from back in the seventies. You know, yeah, yeah, picking yeah. up those and like that was literally done. And I was like, well, this must be, you know, a, a, a precursor to to ambient music in a sense of the word. To have, you know, literally like you just mentioned the things that are in the background, but they could be in the foreground or they could be in the background. You could literally right. put this recording on in your house and you know, right. let it you, just kind of gestate. Yeah, yeah, right. You can, you know, it kind of it'll reward you if you tune into it, just like, you know, listening to the waves at the ocean. If you really listen, it's amazing, you know, the way it moves around and stuff, or you can just walk by and it's just there, you know, and, and both experiences are valid and both experiences can be meaningful. You know, and well, then going to, I want to talk a bit about, you know, on the, on the other side of that, your snapshots album, when you can get uh, some yeah. shorter works, you know, and I listen yeah. to that and it's like, it, it's shorter. So they, 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 they go in from one to the next, but you can tell the transition between the songs, obviously. And, and, um, and I really enjoyed that one as well. And they also get a sense of, of your style at the piano. So. Yeah, that was a, um, like a, <laughs> a global pandemic project that, you know, okay. it was one of those, like, I just started to, because I was trying to get, every now and then it's like you got to kick yourself a little bit so like i i started saying what can i do in a minute and Mm -hmm. can i come up with something that i like that feels emotional that takes me somewhere in a minute and so i I put a little timer on the piano and i play and you know that's that's where those things came from they're all they're all improvs about you know trying to trying to get somewhere real in a minute and um i i had a bunch of them and those were the 25 that i liked so I really, I actually really like that project. It's weird. It's not, I don't feel like it's a hundred percent my voice, you know, cause I'm so used to doing, you know, all this <laughs> stuff, but it's, but I really like the project. It's it, um, the further I get from it, the more I enjoy it, I guess. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I always like to mention the pages, but the titles are really great too. Yeah. They're well, so that some of that's me and and a lot of it's sarah who's my wife and she has a uh, she's a writer and she has um 
she has great sense of humor and she keeps me uh keeps me light <laughs> so yeah a lot of the uh the humor there comes from uh from her which i love okay yeah because i um the, yeah the empty nutty bar box you know that's yeah. good you pull that out of there and it's like yeah. you know and because it's um because like um you know with ambient titles um, I, I used to always kind of joke that, you know, if you go and you, you look and you're finding something that has fragrances that aren't just very defined fragrance, fragrance like lavender, if you yeah. find like Mountain Breeze or somebody's, you could go there and you could find ambient title, titles in, in those kind of things in candles. Candles, you need some, tr some track names, you go look at those, but right. I enjoyed the humor of, of those tracks very, very much because well, they, yeah. they, they're funny. <laughs> yeah. And there's short works and stuff like that, you know, and yeah. stuff. And, you know, it's, it's a joke because ambient titles are important, but you know, if you needed some, you could go look in the candle section someplace. That's, you know, that, is, that is, that is <laughs> And you that can find true. some names of the songs real, real quick, but when song, would titles come from, um, uh, uh, but, but I, I really enjoyed that work a whole lot. So, okay. Just give yourself some parameters. Do, do you like working in concepts like that? Do you, do you um, enjoy the concept album? Uh, yeah, I think I do. I think yeah. um, I definitely like for my own music. I mean, the first album that I, the Abendroman album is kind of a, it's Monday, it's seven pieces, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I mean, it's like, it's each kind of the feeling of, of seven nights in a row. Um, the second album into Steren is kind of about there. All the pieces are sort of related to stargazing. Um, so yeah, I definitely like kind of records to feel like they have a, a an idea behind them or, or a design behind them. Yeah. Um, so yes, I like, I like that conceptually. Yeah. yeah it's, it's uh yeah. And me too. I like the, a good concept album and, and, and nowadays you can be so esoteric and it, 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 uh, does it, does it sometimes give you a starting point? Like a, a, a con you like, well, you mentioned with the minute, uh, come up with a concept and write to the concept. Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I it doesn't feel so much like I was writing in that, in that sense, there wasn't like a, an emotional concept or even a, it was like a practice technique, you know, it's like a, um, for snapshots. Um, but they end up, I mean, it ended up fitting a concept. Um, the, the title, the titles and the, the title of the album came much later. Um, so it wasn't so much, it was more like, what can I do with this idea? Um, but it, that's not, that's definitely not my normal MO. Normally I start with a sound or I start with something that's an improv that come that, uh, comes off of the piano. Um, I videotape whenever I can, I videotape things that I'm playing on the piano and, and then oh, those nice. become ideas that get translated into the computer, into songs. Okay. Nice video. Okay. Okay. Kevin, yeah, that's, video. A Will, that's a Will Ackerman trick is, is the, the video, because then, you know, you never have to worry about how you voiced something. Um, you know, there's sure. a, <laughs> just like, you know, you can hear the chord and like, rather than having to deconstruct, you know, lean in and say, what is, how did I get that? Is that color? You just look at it and say, oh, <laughs> I was doing that. Oh, okay. Oh, so, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Hands over a uh, camera over camera. Over yeah, just hands. the camera floats. Yeah, I have a little stand that just holds the camera over the keyboard. Yeah, yeah. makes it makes it very easy. Yeah, a video video notation. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, that's, exactly. Yeah, uh, he he mentioned that with in Italy with the song with the new album that he sure. videotapes. So and now I see yeah. it's video video not just to document it was document actually voicings and and, and things for sure. Yeah, have. and he has this whole other for him. Right, the whole other layer of complication for him is the tuning, because every song's oh, in a different gosh. tuning. So yeah. he has to, you know, he has to slate 
the tuning as well. And, and that's, that's always an important part of working with him in the studio is making sure that we get the tuning. Cause if he doesn't get the tuning back, we'll never get the song back. Mm. So, you know, he, cause he just, he just tunes to whatever feels like whatever feels right in the moment. Yeah. And, and uh, so you got to get the tuning as well as the song. Well, I was really, I was really glad because he sent me his, his tuning notation about intervals. Oh, cool. And yeah. uh, based on standard versus what this is. And I, it was, it was a little bit of a puzzle for a second. Cause it was like, it was a day. And I was like, look, and I was like, wow. And then I was like, okay, I get it. I understand. He's doing, he's tuning in intervals and he's relating his intervals to a standard guitar. Okay. It's, right. it's fascinating. That fascinated me. I was like, wow, that's, that is really unique right there. I yeah. mean, you might be single-handedly someone, the only person that tunes every song to an alternate tuning in yeah. the world of, of the world of guitar. So yeah, and then, <laughs> and then he's like the way he notates it is also, I mean, it's completely unique. Like he'll have a, a four, four, like this is, this chord is a four, four, three, two, which means the fourth fret on the fourth string and the third fret on the second string, you know, it's like, so, you know, so I'm writing this, okay, four, four, three, two, you know, so it's, and then it's or a, a two over which is his thumb coming over you know a two over on the five you know so, so fifth fret thumb comes over holds the first two strings on the fifth fret you know so he has this whole other language of of notation which is which is fascinating and i, yeah. I love it it totally yeah. is and so it's and that must be that must be very interesting uh, accompanying him on a keyboard instrument where all the keys are right in front of you <laughs> yeah well it's, it's right it's a totally other world because yeah. you don't transpose this you know the piano at all yeah. So, no, I mean, it's, he's, the, the great thing about that is that it tends to lock him in because he loves using open strings. Mm -hmm. The open strings are always, almost always part of the patterns that he's playing. So that means that it's relatively easy to fall into a spot with him that, that works because there's always, there's almost always going to be a through line that's, that's chaseable. Okay. Um, so it, it actually, as a, as a sideman to will, it helps a lot <laughs> that, that he's in open tunings, actually. <laughs> the, um, in the, the, you had mentioned the mastering downstairs in the barn and barn. And I've always been, I've always been interested in mastering yeah. what, and it's almost like you can, the question is, is like, you know, I, I think there's unique answers to the question of like, what do you consider mastering to be? Like, what are some of the things that you get a piece of music that yeah. has been recorded and mixing has been done? What, what, what do you do to master? I make it sound as good as I can. Um, part, of, part of the deal with mastering is, is having an opinion and having a really, really, really good playback system that you know is right. And if you, especially, you know, the longer you've spent on it, the better, but you know, if you know kind of how the world listens to music and, and kind of you listen to outside music all the time, you get kind of a, you get to know what, what sounds good on your system. And so people, you know, people send things in and you can move it towards that. And it's, you can do it, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little heavy handed with, with my approach. Um, there are some people who are very much like, I'll make it a little louder. But for me, it's like, if something's great, I'll leave it alone. If something needs to be moved a little more, I'll move it. And, and, you know, the worst case scenario is when somebody says, yeah, you moved it too far and, um, you know, and then you can split the difference, um, which is, you know, it's, it's fine, but at least, I would say 98% of the time when I move something a lot, people say, oh, that's great, you know, because they, 
you know, there people are listening on little speakers or people are doing it on headphones or whatever, and they don't have, they don't have that same kind of um, big picture of, you know, here's what great records sound like on these speakers. And, and I, you know, just after years and years of doing it, it's like, I have that in my head, just this is, you know, it should, it could sound in, well, there are two things, right? Here's what it sounds like. Here's what it could sound like. And then which tool do I pick up to get it there? And that's, mm. you know, that's what mastering is, is knowing, <laughs> knowing which tool will get the song from where it is to where you think it should be. You know, you just mentioned something that I was, I was, I was, you know, going to ask someone that's been mastering for years. Uh, nowadays, people are listening in things that, you know, you know, compressed music, like you said, earbuds. Yeah. Um, the the car test isn't even as much, maybe as more in anymore. And so that's is that a new set of challenges? I mean, you're still you're still um, obviously mastering to, you know, quality stereo speakers and, and yeah. monitors and stuff yeah. um and and then w whenever you master to that that naturally will um progress downward as <laughs> somebody might be listening to it and something that might be a little bit you know compressed and not quite as hi-fi as people listen to music more frequently not too long ago when they're listening to their home stereos or everything's on a cd in their car and stuff like that yeah. you know yeah yeah I mean, you know, the BBC did a study a number of years ago and looked at a zillion different playback systems. And basically, if you average them all out, you end up with something that's flat frequency wise. Okay. So you have a million you have a million playback systems that are too much bass. You have a million playback systems that have too much treble. You have a million playback systems that have too much up here or not enough down here. But if you average them all out, it's flat. So the closest you're going to get to all of them is working on a system that's neutral, as neutral as possible. And then you're gonna be as close to every other playback system as you can, because you can't control it once it leaves your room. Yeah. You know, people are gonna put on the beats and they've got tons of bass and that's they like that, so it's okay. <laughs> you know, they chose those headphones because they like a lot of bass. So your music will have too much bass on it, but they like that, they chose it. <laughs> Same with, you know, little you know earbuds, ear stuff that's really bright or whatever. Yeah. You know, if people are listening to music on that, they're already used to that fingerprint. So when that fingerprint gets applied to what I do, it's fine because they're already used to it. So there's, you know, nobody's mixing records just for earbuds unless they're doing Atmos thing and about it's, it's translating right to those earbuds. But, right, you know, if, for me, you never want the audiophile person at home who's gone through all the, the effort to have a really great playback system. I never want them to listen to a record and say, huh, I, I want it you know, when it's, when, when the opportunity is presented for the music that I work on to be played back on a great system, it's got to sound great. And that translates down, you know, translates down. Yeah. Really and, is. and, and um, yeah, cause I mean, I, I always been fascinated about the, the stereo field, you know, having using the stereo field and, and uh, that makes sense too. Some people might not be listening on a very broad stereo field. The phone might be sitting there with stereo speakers, but yeah, but not really getting the full effect of that, but um, it translates there if need be, you know? Right, yeah, or, or on headphones where the, the idea of width is kind of out the window, because it's like, here's left, here's right. Here's right. There's, no, there's no, like, there's no stereo, really. It's there's just, no you know, stereo, you're yeah. left mono and a right mono, and your brain's left to figure it out. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I um, yeah, no, thank you for explaining it that way. I, that's really, I, it's really always enlightening, because I've always been fascinated by, like, the the, the mastering technique and, and and what that does, and, and, and you do that for so many different albums. I'd pulled up... Um, your album, Verloren, 
I want to yeah. talk about that a little, that album a bit. Now, there you go with, um, you know, 10 minute tracks, all 10 minute tracks, <laughs> there all, you go. all 10 <laughs> minute tracks right there. Right. Like when, when, when you'd said that, I was like, well, the new album was like that. So, right. and, the, and the song titles and two as well. So can you talk about that album a little bit? I listened sure. to it uh, just the other day. Yeah, the, so like I was saying, the, the, a lot of these longer form ambient things that I do are to create a sense of space. And, and that album is a collection of ones that I can't figure out where they are. Um, I, don't, I don't know those places. They, they were places that happened in the music, the places that those songs exist. I, I, there are places that happened in the music that I think are, are interesting. They're not necessarily, that particular collection isn't necessarily like a, a soothing ambient, you know, bath kind of thing. It's, it's those pieces have a little, they might be a little more challenging than some of the like stuff that's on some of my other, my other stuff. But it's just, it's a place. They're just places to, to spend time and um, they seem to fit together.
I try and make an arc in that record. Like the, the first piece kind of comes on a little slowly and the last piece kind of is, goes out a little slowly. And in the middle, it has kind of, you know, there's a, all of these things are, they're trying, I'm trying to make a, a consistent journey across the pieces on the album, uh, even when each piece can stand by itself. Yeah. And, but for and, that uh, album, it's yeah. just, yeah, they're just, they're places that I would like to visit that I, I haven't found yet. <laughs> And found it. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, places and places and spaces. Working with um, all of the different, uh, you know, sounds that you have at, at your disposal, do you feel like there is uh, a never ending amount of sounds? You know, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where the difference between like this, the computer, the the virtual instruments and the, the more hardware instruments, um, do you still kind of do you have a mixture of both of those now or do you still yeah. kind of lean to different ones based on? sounds that you're exploring um i have both i definitely use plugins and real hardware synths um and i think you know over time it's just you have a relationship with a certain keyboard and you know at least i know and when i go to when i go to a certain keyboard it can give me a certain sound that i want it can me it can give me a certain kind of vibe that i want um so they're just, you know, they're colors of paint for me. And, and, um, sometimes I'll, I will dig in and I will spend downtime programming and coming up with sounds that feel like they fit in my world. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times that that time isn't there and, and I, I'm using, I'm using sounds that I've made in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think the, having a lot of sounds available is great. I think of, I'm, I have a pretty limited palette because I have a set of sounds that I just love uh, and they all feel pretty organic to me. I'm not a, um, I'm not a, uh, it's funny because I don't like um, synth solos, you know, it's like, I'm not a, there's a whole proggy world where I can, I could listen to Genesis and love that. I I loved Genesis forever and, and yes, and Rush and whatever. And there's a whole, but you know, that, kind of lead playing on synthesizer is not me. It's not, um, I probably could have done it years ago when I was, you know, when I was a younger guy, I was, I was more into it. And, but now it's not, it's not me. It's not, I don't, um, I'm much slower. (laughs) I'm much, uh, I like things that breathe and have a, a, like a walking pace to them, um, or a breathing, you know, almost sleeping kind of pace to them. Um, so, and I tend to gravitate towards sounds that feel, um, to me, that feel acoustic or feel organic, not, not like, um, I'll treat them like they're from outer space, but I don't start with a sound that sounds like it's from outer space, if that makes sense. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Okay. No, it, it, yeah. I used yeah. to talk about like the piano is the gateway drug to ambient music. You know, it's like, if you have a, if you have the piano or the roads too, it can, it can get, um, it can be comfortable enough for people who don't know them, like that kind of music. Oh, there's a piano there. And then they can kind of, they might accept the other unknown sounds kind of swirling around the piano because the piano is something to, to hold on to. So that's, you know, there, there's definitely a sense of trying to keep what I do feeling organic, even when it's a hundred percent synthetic. Yeah. The, the piano and that sustain pedal on the piano. And, then, yeah. and lots of reverb <laughs> and lots of reverb lots of reverb and lots of reverb yeah i know it's uh it's such a there's so many reverbs to choose from now uh That's you it. know saying about that about creating spaces i always like to ask people that make instrumental music um 
what uh, the place that most people hear it uh, nowadays, uh, film music and film scores. Um, what does that mean to you? Do, you? do you pay attention to them? Do you like them? Have you done any, worked on any for anything or? Uh, again, be, because my whole, my like, I make a living from making music for other people, mm-hmm. um, you know, f- recording albums, mixing, mastering, all that stuff. Um, I have been pretty unwilling to allow my world of music to come under someone else's thumb. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not sure I could handle it if if I had somebody saying, oh, I need you to rewrite this. It needs to be 30 seconds shorter because I probably wrote it the way I wrote it because that's how I wanted it to feel. Yeah. And given that I don't, you, this isn't where my money comes from. You know, this is like I'm. I make music for a living, but I, that part of it is for other people mostly. Um, so my own music is is a is therapeutic for me, um, and it's you know I love it when people are listening to it, but it's also it's not it's just in service you know in that selfish kind of musician way. It's just kind of in service to what I need in the moment that I'm making it. Um, having some external force trying to trying to control it, I would kill the joy. I think for me, there are a lot of people who are good at it. So I'll let them do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, whenever whenever you're re- re- recording so many different so many different albums and stuff in the ambient community, uh, it seems like you're you're are you called on pretty often to lend a part, you know? To, yeah. To every now, yeah. I mean, yes. It's certainly in the yeah. on the records that Will and I do. I play bass or piano or or something on most of the most of the records. It seems mm-hmm. like. Even records yeah. where I'm not like like a flow record that was that uh, Fiona oh, yeah. Joy and Lawrence Blatt and Oster and Will, um, you know, I was the bass player in the band on tour and I was the bass player in the band in the studio and I played accordion and keyboards and you know whatever. It's like I'll be I'm the I'm the other guy who can you know who can join in when needed. <laughs> oh, I, I I so much enjoyed the flow album. That was such so, what a beautiful record that was. I just I really love that album so much. Cool. It was so good. It's on the copy. I, I can. The cool thing is the big letters on it. I can see it in the CD <laughs> very easily right here, and I can just kind of go to it because of what y'all did with the white and the thing. So I'm, I'm just saying, like it's it's got a great label right there. You see it right there next to it. my my music's not in only the jazz is in order in this room, and everything else is out of order. So flow is next to Tom Waits. So that's fine, right? It'll that's work. all right. Sure. It'll work. You know, it sits there. One yeah. day I need to organize these more in a space. That's, that's <laughs> in that, um. So, um, like right now, um, like, um, um, like right now, um, are you recording? I mean, like, as far as like your, your, your workflow with recording versus mastering and producing, I imagine it's all going on at the same time. A lot yep. of times yep. this master, this recording project. Yeah. Yep. So you're I having to finish, balance that. Finish the master this morning and the end of this week, I'll be mixing another record and I'm up here working on my own stuff at the same time. And then, you know, I'm mixing, mixing a record of mine now and um you know will's record uh positano songs just came out two weeks ago and there's promotion right. going for that and then we're yep. heading out to vegas to promote to be at the grammys for the brothers thing and yeah. so it's yeah i mean there's it seems like there's always there's always a lot of stuff going on that's cool how many hours a day do you like usually spend uh spend on all those projects usually that's a that is a uh, I don't know actually yeah. it's okay it depends I mean one of the one of the advantages of it being on my property is that I can go out and you know play basketball for five minutes or go to the park and go for a walk and come back and work late so it's it's cool. good to be for the most part to be able to set my schedule but it's it's a you know it's a regular full-time job so sure and yeah the barn and the barns on your property there yeah right call it. 
yeah yep. black yeah it really is a barn like a, it's, yeah it's like yeah it was yeah it's a, a the downstairs a cinder block and the upstairs here is like this peaked this this is just the podcast is uh non-visual right so exactly okay yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah i mean upstairs i have a big um in in the barn i have kind of a, a big open space that used to be an apartment uh just a cathedral ceiling space with natural light on both ends and a, a big balcony on one end and then downstairs is uh where the mastering room is which is a complete build out and you know the everything's sound treated and everything is uh kind of fine-tuned down there for for working and hearing everything that's there so it's it's great because i have and then you know a uh, hundred yards up up the little hill there is the house and uh that's where you know so i live live there work here it's and it's it's great the commute is easy the commute is easy yeah that's 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 really that's really cool yeah it's like yeah. um it's like uh, the thing about the uh having um nowadays and working electronic music you know the the access to be able to have your own a recording studio you know nearby or whatever yeah. is easier with the technology instead of having you know the older ways of of how that of how that worked and stuff like yeah. that I, i'm still sort of stuck in the old ways i mean yes i mean a lot of people can make a record with an ipad or a laptop but i seem to have um i seem to have a lot of gear for some reason so <laughs> that's just kind of how it happened yeah that, that's well you know yeah you know it's like uh um well that you know that's that's uh, there's there's always more gear it's always going to be there's always a new pedal there's always a new right. new effects to it and things like that you know it's right. like um but it's like the gear does so much it's like one of the things that's always i've always been interested in is like how 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 much have i explored this thing because this thing does a lot you know on right. its own you know right. and and it's like kind of thinking thinking about that i see how you have like it the kind of uh, the the keyboards kind of around you kind of in a way kind of blocked yep. off or they do you have a certain setup that you have like certain little island parts or anything set up particular for different keyboards like that no, or is, i mean like, so my my rig here i have a uh, a master controller that kind of faces the keyboard and the main speakers upstairs and then i have uh behind me i have a access virus and a jd800 and then on this side i have a sledge and a waldorf quantum and then right in front of me where i am there's a yamaha ex5 on top of the uh cp70 70, yeah. and then what else there's uh there's a hydrosynth and a k2000 over there and over there is the jxap and an old spring synth and uh a dss1 and a yamaha an1x and there's a jx10 over there and you know there's just and then all my guitars and basses are i can spin around so like over here is like more keyboard. Okay. Okay. Sure. Bases over there and guitar bases on that side. Yeah. On that side is with the shelves where there are extra extra keyboards. And yeah. So yeah, it's it's has been a uh, you know we just moved here in um, pretty much starting in September and I spent most of my time getting downstairs built out and I'm still figuring out what I want to do up here. Okay. So I'll get there, but at the moment it's, it's functional and, and, uh, I'm really happy up here. I have a lot of light and I'm looking kind of, I'm looking South when I look towards my computer and the sun is great and it's great, you know, like blue sky out there and trees and I'm way up in the air on the, in the loft of the barn. So it's great. It's great. I love it here. Yeah. We have, uh, there's a farm next door that has sheep and cows and, and goats and all this kind of stuff. And that, so the back of our property runs up against a farm so I can walk out my door and sometimes there are two horses standing right there and then, you know, we give them carrots and whatever, but it's, um, it's great, you know, just kind of back out and I grew up in the country and now I'm back in the country. So okay. it's, it's good. It's a good kind of okay. a chapter change. 
in the same area? You grew up in the same area or a country? Grew up about part of the country like 10 miles, a little less than 10 miles from where I am now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. And what state are you in right now? I think I'd in New, New Hampshire. In New Hampshire. Okay. So like, um, are you all in a state of transition right now from winter to spring? Uh, yeah, it's well, it's spring today. It's, uh, it's today. actually today's first day of spring. Um, so that's right. That's right. Yeah. Spring today. We, as we talk on the, on the, uh, on the equinox or the, um, yeah. For, wow. That's yeah. That's cool. The first day of spring. Yeah. I didn't even think about that today. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh bright and sunny out there. I don't see any snow anywhere. And, uh, I, I hope I don't see any more snow, but you know, it'll probably happen. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's okay. That's yeah. okay. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I like the um, I like the synth right there with the black keys and the 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 gray black keys and the black white keys. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, that's the Studio Logic Sledge. It's a it's a Waldorf uh, engine. It's kind of a yeah, it's a Waldorf engine with a Italian uh, key bed on it. But it's yeah, I love that. It's and it's again, it's it's a very kind of rich organic organic synth, but but very you know, I guess I don't know. One of the things that's in, yeah, I guess so. There's the there's the the quantum, very hands-on. There's the sledge, very hands-on. Mm -hmm. You know, the virus over here, all knobs, the JD800 knobs and sliders. So all these things are kind of, they lend themselves to, um, that's, prob that's probably why they're out, because they lend themselves to tweaking. They lend themselves to, yeah. you know, a hand on the keyboard and a hand on the control. So you, you know, can really be in, in the sound while you're playing it. So that's probably why all these stay out and the ones that are just like, Here's a display and you have to interact with the thing on a display basis. You know, it's not, those don't sit out here instantly because they're not uh, quick and intuitive to play. So I, I definitely like keyboards that allow me to grab onto them, get inside the engine and, and get a sound quickly. Start customizing, yeah. start tactile. Yeah. yeah right. That's cool. you know, and, and you, you know, once an idea, especially in the, the environmental pieces, once an idea starts kind of starts happening in those environmental pieces, I want to keep, I want to keep going in that very quickly. I make those things um, in one sitting, and so uh, I want to I want to kind of move from one thing to another as as quickly as I can. So a lot of hands-on control is really good. It's a, just like what is it asking for? Okay, I know where to get that. What's that? What's it asking for next? Okay, I know where to get that. And that's all just that hands-on control is really is really key for that. Yeah, and 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 you can save some of those things too. You can create your own sounds and save them, and oh, yeah, document definitely. that easy yep. to be able to come back to that one yep. uh, for yep. for whatever you want to offer it to. The yep. um with the uh and um do, do you do a lot of um do you do a lot of editing uh, to your recordings as far as like uh, creating uh, let's just say like longer works that you have to you have to edit in because of you know being able to to access all those keyboards, access the controls, and in in real time like that that real time feel um does does the edit i mean there are there are different kind of like there are records that are piano centric that are that are heavily edited for feel mm -hmm. and then there are these the environmental pieces either they work or they don't for me um okay. so no there's like the environmental pieces they're not edited at all it, like i if i'm working on if i'm working on one i'll i'll, I'll be creating one and I'll, I'll screw up a layer of it and i'll just get rid of that layer and then i'll you know you, you keep going on either at the end of the at the end of working on one of those pieces either it works or it doesn't and if it doesn't work no one ever hears it and if it does work it'll probably want to find its way into the world somewhere yeah least, exactly you know, it works for me right That's, yeah <laughs> do you save anything everything just in case or <laughs> uh no no if something if something if no because then i i do so much 
that really all I want is stuff that I think works. I never like if I think that something is like doesn't hit me as eh, it's not no it doesn't do it then no trash because um, I don't want to go I don't want to go looking later and have to you know find a piece of trash that I left lying around. You know? <laughs> so it's, if um, I just everything that I find later on when I'm trying to put together a record I wanted to like jump into a folder where everything is good. Yeah, everything is good. Yeah, see, that's the thing about as the memory grew on the computer when you had the ability to save everything, just like videotape, you could just record forever uh, and not worry about the cost of film. You didn't worry about the how the reel-to-reel tape running out or, you know, the set running out. Yeah, you know, it's like just, oh, I have infinite amount of memory. I like that. Yeah, the open folder that everything's good. Yeah, hey, there's nothing wrong with throwing away and deleting and bits and pieces. No, I mean, you know, worst case scenario, if there's an idea that was good, you, you use it again. If there's an idea that was good, but the piece isn't good, you take that idea and you start again. And that's, I'm, I'm all for that. Um, but I, endlessly editing the environmental pieces is not, is not uh, fun for me. I, I would rather try and get as quickly to a feeling of place and, uh, and then call it done for those. Mm-hmm. And then there are the pieces, you know, pieces that are like more piano centric. Mm-hmm. I will, I'll, I'll slave over those until every note feels like it's in just the, the place that feels right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, and with the records that Will and I make are, um, I'll edit them until they're exactly what everybody wants them to be. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm open to editing. Um, yeah. but I think it, it has its, it has its place in my life. Well, that must be, that must be, um, that must be great though, to be able to have the ability to have the, the heavily edited feel, but then also work on ambient music, which, um, doesn't need that. So you can, you, you can create just there without having to think about necessarily. Editing. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I have this, done. yeah, I have this little, this, um, there's a, flow there's, a, it, yeah. there's a looper that I use to do a lot of this stuff. And I, I found a way to break the looper um in such a way that you can have um you can put down a little tiny idea and then you can have the looper spin that idea around while you put either ideas on top of it but those other ideas don't have to be the same length as the initial idea okay so you end up with like something that's 30 seconds spinning around and then on top of that something it's a minute and then on top of that something it's two minutes and on top of that something it's four minutes so even while that initial idea might be going around every 30 seconds or something like that you've also got something going on around it that's that happens every four minutes so that's kind of how it, and I don't know why the looper works that way. It's just this kind of this um, little practice or this little technique that I came up with to, to manipulate the looper to um, create this, these kind of uh, slowly evolving um, sound beds, sound fields where things are, things are repeating, but they're repeating in ways that don't necessarily feel repetitious. Okay, and so it's not really right. even amount of repetition. Right. Therefore, they hit themselves. They come across themselves. Right. They can right, they come across in weird ways. Yeah, I don't know if you ever yeah. saw uh, Brian Eno's Discrete Music LP, where he uh, mm-hmm. he like he laid out on the back how he did the tape loops of. I think he was using the Four Seasons or something like that. But he he kind of gave you a schematic for the whole idea of like, oh yeah, it's going to turn around here and then it's going to go this and hit this tape machine and yeah, I mean it's that kind of thing. There's there's a kind of a mad scientist aspect to it but it's um i've i've learned how to not be how to not do um overt gestures in them because then when you do something really overt it um you can you hear the repeat right if there's you know a particular thing that happens and that thing then happens again you're gonna go oh i just heard that a minute ago or i just heard that you know a minute and a half ago or whatever so like the it gets you you have to get into this headspace of of how can i change colors without those 
changes feeling like you've heard them before. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of this cool headspace of, of, um, alternate composition that has nothing to do with piano playing. It's just about kind of creating these kind of evolving sound beds. Yeah. It, that, yeah, that's a fascinating part of it because like, if you, if you want a motif that, that comes back, you can, but there's ways to not make that happen. Yeah. Right. If you don't want right. To and there's, yeah. And there, yeah. and there are actually motifs yeah. that will emerge as the layers happen, but they only happen certain times because, of the, way, because yeah. of the way the layers are happening. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I appreciate that concept that you'll never hear the same thing necessarily repeat. I mean, because like Eno's like generative music thing and yeah. I, I have the Bloom app on my phone and I always yeah. put it on the phone because that thing is just very relaxing. I've even had like, you know, babies, you know, like babies in a family and stuff like that and just let them touch that thing, you yeah. know? And it's just like that idea that it's never gonna, it's evolving for forever. It's a, it's a, right. forever, it's a forever song, you know, conceptually it is you know it right. could be and um yeah that that idea is is just amazing it's just fascinating yeah. this music never has to end or repeat itself necessarily right. or not repeat itself in the same way i guess you know you can right say. right yeah. have you checked i know you interviewed jeff pierce have you checked out his infinite ambient website yes i have okay good yeah yeah i have yeah i really appreciated that yeah his infinite yeah. ambient i know yeah no jeff's awesome yeah yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I know, see, that's that, he, he really went with that concept and really right. took it to a place where you can listen to one of his songs, but the infinite version of it. <laughs> right, which is awesome, right? I mean, yeah, and it's, totally. it's that environment. It's like, I want to hang out here, and you can, you know, that's the, the, the fact that we're able to give that to people now. Like, you're not like, oh, you got 22 minutes on this vinyl, this side of vinyl to deliver your message to people. You're not you're not bounded by that anymore. So Jeff can say, "Hey, if you want to listen to my song forever? You can." And it's you know, and then it's your choice, yeah. you know, as the listener, which is great. Yeah, and it's um, you know, one thing too. Um, I like to talk, ask on this program too is like, is like uh, this question comes around, but it's like I, I wanted to ask you because of the, the way that you generate the music. What is your um? What is your kind of uh, feel or take on um on on having a having a drone in music, like utilizing a drone and utilizing drones? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, I mean, if if by drone we mean something, you know, a consistent, not moving much sound, I'm all for it because that's yeah. I I love that stuff. I love you know it's the same, it's that same kind of sense of place. It's just it gives you a little bit of something to um, to lean on. When I when I started. Um, Abendrome on my first, my first solo record in 2015, like my first record that I really put any effort into putting out, um, which is Jeff's fault, actually, he was the one who encouraged me to put it out, um, <laughs> Jeff Pierce. Um, I started, those, that record started by me creating electric guitar loops and creating these little beds of electric guitar and then playing piano on top of that. But, but what I discovered was that if the electric guitar loop is going on, you don't have to play as much because there is no silence. Mm -hmm. So it's simple. It forced me to simplify my playing mm -hmm. or allowed me one or the other to simplify my playing because I didn't have to fill the space. And it wasn't like, you know, you can let a note go and there's still something there holding your ear until the next note comes in. So it, those, the drone thing for me, was, um, really, really, um, mind opening compositionally opening it it allowed me to slow down my thinking so that i didn't have to feel like you know on a solo piano record if you stop playing there's nothing um but in a you know when you have something when you have a drone or when you have something going on in the background 
then you know the the foreground stuff is all choice it's not mandatory yeah thinking you have to fill that space because because you can't have a pause there you know you can't you're not you're not planning for a rest there yeah and it dying out yeah yeah that's an interesting take on it yeah i appreciate that i always i enjoy asking that question because i get very unique answers and i i I like that a whole lot because you and, and the nature of the drone too where it's like you can if you set a drone first and you you can think about how the other things are going to go against it and the kind of intervals that you're going to get but there's a very freeing thing to not even worry about that to to not even be conscious of it just put the drone and put stuff on top of it and hear what it sounds like instead of thinking oh well what note should i pick for the drone it's like you know it sometimes you just pick a note and and see what what strikes you know yeah yeah for sure yeah you that's know? i definitely i I move no. that all, I, you know, I move my starting point when I'm doing the, the environmental music, I move my starting point all the time. You know, a lot of times it's, it's like, Will, you know, put the guitar in a strange tuning, you know, it's like pick a note, pick a key that you don't play in all the time because yeah. it's going to force you to make different choices. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's part of that game for me, for sure. And part of what makes it enjoyable is, is that it's a moving, I, I keep it as a constantly moving target, you know? Yeah. A constantly moving slow target. Yeah, exactly. You're right. A very slow target. Easy to hit. Right? <laughs> yeah, <easy> to hit. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, um, Tom, uh, it's really been a pleasure being able to speak with you. And and uh, okay. and and I always like to tell everyone you're you're welcome back on the show anytime. Just this podcast is just we're only just moving upward and onward with it, you know. And there, there's there's so many so many great musicians that 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 work in these realms and have been so generous with their time and their music. And uh, I highly appreciate it. And, well, uh, you know, I, I think, I think you for being here because I've, I've seen your name on so many things recording and, and, and playing instruments on, I'm like, I have to get Tom on the show. He's right, like all, all around all this music. And I want to talk to you about your music and, and, and your, and your recording, uh, recording and mastering. So great. Thank you very much. And many thanks to Tom Eaton for being a guest on Tones and Drones. It was uh, wonderful to speak to him and also to get a a video tour of his uh, studio um, after the uh, podcast. I really appreciate him taking the time uh, to to show me how his uh, studio is uh, laid out. And uh, some of the music featured on the program was a song called The Fog and the Lifting, beginning this episode. Also, a selection called The Confluence from the album Brothers, in which Tom Eaton plays alongside Will Ackerman and Jeff Oster. 
also a song from his album Valoran called Ord 8, and a song called Patience Part 1, and concluding this episode with Patience Part 2. You can find his music on his Bandcamp page, tomeaton1.bandcamp.com, and also at spottedpeccary.com. Tones and Drones is produced in the studios of 91.3 KVOU. You can also listen to the radio program called Tones and Drones Radio, in which I play the whole pieces of music from the guests on this podcast, and that airs Sundays at 10 p.m. Central Time on KVOU, which can be streamed at kvou.org. You can find Tones and Drones on all the major podcast platforms. You can find Tones and Drones on the NPR One app as well. Thank you for listening to this episode. I'm Jason Miller, and may music bring you peace and joy.